Welcome to Had to Be There, the podcast that allows you to explore the world's greatest destinations through the stories of those who have been there. Here to ignite the wanderlust within, your host and favorite travel planner, Kelly Acevedo. Bagwan, friends, welcome back to the Had to Be There podcast, where we are exploring the world one story at a time. I'm your host, Kelly, and this is episode 83. As always, please make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening, and if you're feeling generous, leave a review. Don't forget, Poltergeist and Pixie Dust launches later this month, so stay tuned for that. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking with my new friend, Alistair, about his experience in Guyana. But full disclosure, we're calling this part one because we got so caught up talking about all of his travel adventures post-retirement that we barely got to touch on Guyana. So Alistair will certainly be back soon to share more about this specific experience. In the meantime, I thought we could talk a little bit about this unique country. Did you know that Guyana is the only South American country whose official language is English? Well, now you do. And did you know that it's basically a birdwatcher's dream? So for all my birdies, allow me to share with you the top five places for birdwatching in this breathtaking country. At number five, the Pacarema Mountains. These mountains in Western Guyana are a lesser known gem for birdwatching. Keep your eyes peeled for the elusive harpy eagle, as well as captivating macaws, parrots, and raptors. At number four, the Karanambu Ranch. Venture to the remote Karanambu Ranch in the Rupununi savannas and wetlands. While you're searching for giant river otters, you'll also encounter the sun parakeet, the elusive Rio Branco antbird, and a variety of water birds. At number three, the Atta Rainforest Lodge. In the North Rupununi region, Atta Rainforest Lodge beckons with unique birdwatching opportunities. Walk the canopy walkway for unforgettable sightings of canopy-dwelling birds, like the pompadour katinga and the colorful green aracari. At number two, Kayater National Park. Kayater Falls, one of the world's tallest waterfalls, is surrounded by lush rainforest, an absolute paradise for bird lovers. Keep your binoculars ready for the Guiana Shield Kutinga, the enchanting capuchin bird, and the striking Guiana Tucanet. And at number one, the Iwokrama Rainforest. Nestled in the heart of Guyana, the Iwokrama Rainforest is a UNESCO-designated haven for birdwatchers. You won't believe your eyes when you spot the vibrant Guyanan cock of the rock, the majestic harpy eagle, and a kaleidoscope of toucans and parrots. Pro tip, Guyana's diverse habitats make it a year-round birdwatching destination. For the best conditions, plan your trip during the dry season, which runs from December to April. Don't forget to pack your binoculars and get ready for an avian adventure like no other in the wilds of Guyana. Happy birdwatching! Okay, 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 so much 
Welcome back to the Weekly Roundup, your express pass to the latest travel news and promos from Disney and beyond. I'm your friendly neighborhood Academy Travel affiliate, and I'm here to keep you in the loop with all things travel worthy. We're going to buzz through this week's roundup rapid fire style. So if you're looking for more details on anything we talk about, find me on Instagram at vacations by underscore Kelly and let's chat. First up is Royal Caribbean's October sale. Book by October 31st, 2023 for sailings of five nights or less departing between November 3rd, 2023 and December 31st, 2024. And you can get up to $150 in instant savings and nothing but smooth sailing ahead. Next up, Disneyland Resort has a new kids ticket offer. Starting on October 24th, 2023, you can buy a child's ticket from just $50 a day. These tickets are valid for visits between January 8th and March 10th of 2024, and upgrades are available. So you're getting more magic for less. Don't worry, East Coasters. The Walt Disney World Resort also has a new offer for families with young kids. Starting November 14th, 2023, you can save big with a kid's play and dine for 50% off package. This is valid for stays March 3rd to June 30th of 2024. For children age three through nine traveling with you, they're going to get their park tickets and dining plan for half price. Of course, to take advantage, you need to have a full vacation package. So the room, the tickets, and the dining plan. Big convenience at big savings. November 24th, 2023 marks the start of Epcot International Festival of the Holidays. We're talking about candlelight processional celebrity narrators like Chrissy Metz and Sterling K. Brown of This Is Us fame, Joey McIntyre of New Kids on the Block, and Brendan freaking Fraser, just to name a few new faces. Plus, Santa, storytelling, and delectable treats. Don't miss it. And finally, if you're planning to visit Salem, Massachusetts this spooky season, check out my Viator link in the episode show notes for all kinds of walking tours, ghost tours, and all the witchy history your heart could desire. Booking through this link is a great way to support my small business and also have a bewitching time in Salem. That's a wrap for this week's weekly roundup. For more information, contact me at hadtobethere.net slash vacations or follow vacations by underscore Kelly on Instagram. I'll be back next and every week with more travel news and promos from Disney and beyond right here on the weekly roundup. Nestled on the northern coast of South America, this remarkable nation is a hidden gem waiting to be explored. Its lush rainforests teem with exotic wildlife and its pristine waterways meander through vast wetlands. Rich in diverse cultures, it's a place where traditions from around the world converge harmoniously. 
From the vibrant festivals to the warm smiles of its people, this land exudes an irresistible charm. With stunning landscapes, vibrant communities, and endless adventures, it's a destination that promises unforgettable experiences and boundless opportunities for discovery. This is Guiana. Hey, Alistair, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Yeah. Before we jump in, because we have a lot to talk about, can you introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little about you? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm Canadian. I was born in England. Well, in Scotland, actually. Mm. But I emigrated to Canada when I was 19. Actually, I fell in love. And I followed my girlfriend to Canada. (laughs) I know, I know. Crazy, eh? At 19, I didn't really weigh things up. I just was in love, eh? I went home. I told my parents, I'm going to Canada. They said, what? They were were devastated. Uh Oh, it destroyed them. But, you know, at 19, you're so full of yourself. Anyway, I came to Canada, got married, had three children. Everything was wonderful. Um, but after 20 years, I got divorced and I was in the corporate world. I was a yuppie. I worked very hard and, uh, very successful in the business world. Um, I was, I wanted to be a vice president of finance by the time I was 40 and I did. Wow. And 57, I retired because I could. Yeah, hey. Because that's what all of my, that was the big goal. Work hard, retire, put your feet up. But after two years, I was bored. I thought, is this (laughs) it? You know, I'm only 59. Oh, my goodness. It's all I'm going to do for the rest of my life, play golf, cut grass. I I thought there's no way. No, there's got to be more to life than this. But I didn't want to go back in the city. I didn't want to go back in the corporate world. I wanted some sort of adventure. And that really is the turning point in my life for my life of adventure because I'd been a hardworking corporate yuppie guy, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I found this remarkable situation in Canada's Northwest Territories, living with a small First Nations band in a remote fly-in location on the wow. east arm of Great Slave Lake. Only 300 wow. chipper ones. Yeah. So I went there for two years. And it was a wonderful, uh, life-changing experience because though the Canadians, it was like I'd gone to the moon. Because, yeah. you know, they hadn't been part of Canadian Canada's um, culture. that lived totally separate. And uh, so I went in there as this experienced businessman, you know, with all my best practices that didn't work. Mm-hmm. I had to throw them out of the window. And I, what I liked was uh, they were living in the moment, just going with the flow, no multitasking, just doing what they wanted, totally immersed in it, whether it was fishing or filleting a fish or whatever they were doing. Yeah. So it was a great, great opportunity. So I was there for two years and it gave me the chance to work with people because I was an outsider. 
I was a white guy, one of only a few in the community. Wow. Uh, I mean, with 300 people, everybody's a, a really tight community. You don't have like subdivisions and no. everybody, everybody <laughs> all lives together. And most yeah. of the people are related anyway. They have this right, right. You know, pure bloodline thing. Mm-hmm. So they would come to me and say, can I run something by you? And at first I thought, no, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm a businessman. I don't want to get involved in. Anyway, I did. And I found that I enjoyed helping people. And I never, because in the corporate world, it was always boardrooms, meetings, spreadsheets. I really wasn't working with people. I had colleagues, but they weren't uh, real human beings, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Just cogs in the machine. (laughs) Yeah, but it was wonderful. They invited me into the homes. I celebrated uh, anniversaries and weddings and Easter I went out trapped. Wow. Yeah, I went out checking uh, Tommy's trap lines with him. He was trapping uh, ermine. And then I went out fishing many times, well, most weekends, actually. And I went to the spiritual gathering, and they invited to me, me to go to all of their community events. And it was a, a new experience for me. Anyway, yeah. cut long story short, I really enjoyed that. But I thought, you know, I'm not Denny. I'm not going to stay here forever. So when I came out of the North, I decided I wanted to uh, help people. But I went to Bangladesh, Dhaka, Bangladesh, for two years to work with a small NGO, working with the abjectly poor in rural and coastal villages for a year. And that was amazing. That continued my education and travel. Because when I was there... uh, you know, nine to Monday, nine to Friday, but I had the weekend. So I uh, I got a bus down to uh, Mumbai, or I forget what they call it now. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, um, I traveled overnight on trains mostly so I could sleep and save the cost of accommodation. I went to the oh, Taj Mahal and I went wow. to, uh, yeah, and I went to Varanasi and Sarnath with Buddha. Had his epiphany. Wow. And I went up to Cherrapunji, the wettest place on earth, to see the living root bridges. Amazing. Wow. So this is the thing. When you travel, you get some uh, opportunities to do some things off the beaten track. Okay? Yes, I love that. Yeah. I love that you, you know, so many people work so hard towards retirement and then it's like, okay, I'm done. Like <laughs> that's the end of the line. And instead for you, it was really a new beginning. That's, I, oh, it warms my heart. <laughs> well, you, you know, the funny thing, Kelly, was you know, I was living on 50 acres, beautiful pro- idyllic property, 50 acres. 18 acres of bush, the Rocky Sogin River with trout ran through the property. Wow. I mean, really, I should have been just, you know, blissfully happy. But I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I I, I was sort of, I felt unfulfilled. Mm. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. said, well, you're crazy. You know, I mean, you've, you've got the ultimate retirement. And I was asking, is this it? And I could have said yes. Just be happy, Al, you know, just continue playing golf. And the strange thing, Kelly, if I'd have done that, I wouldn't have, you know, all of the rest of the story that happened wouldn't have happened. Yeah, 
Absolutely. But it was, it was a real dilemma because I did. I was struggling with it. Is mm-hmm. this it? And I thought, yes, yeah, got to be. I worked all my life so hard to yeah. achieve this. So, yeah. you know, anyway, I said yeah. no. Anyway, cut a long story short, and we're going to talk about something else today. But <laughs> after, after, um, after I went to Jamaica for a year, Kingston, Jamaica for a year, nice. with a small NGO, yeah. And then I went to Georgetown, Guyana for a year with a small NGO, working with a youth group, the Young Leaders of Agricola. That was a great, but it, I finished up early. And I was with my wife. She had a, an assignment down there too. Mm. So I finished up early and I was just baking bread. And uh, and then this is, uh, opportunity came up. I was approached and said, would I like to do this four-week assignment in the Amazon rainforest down in the Rupununi, which is the southern part of uh, Guyana. Wow. And this is where your had-to-be-there experience is going to take place, right? Yeah, this is a – this. I mean, I could have talked about lots of – you had to I be know, there. I know. You had but, so many things to choose from. But I wanted to talk about this one first. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, because it was so odd and – it was a dream so, come true. I mean, I'd always been interested in National Geographic and the mm-hmm. Amazon, you know, all the documentaries on it. But here was my opportunity to go into there. Yeah. It was to go to four eco lodges. And mm-hmm. uh, what had happened? <laughs> this is really strange. They'd all been given, I mean, these were remote eco lodges. In Guyana, there are no roads. Everything, you have to go on the river by mm-hmm. boat or canoe. Sure. But these ecologists had all been given a computer, mm. but nobody showed them how to use it. Oh. And they had Microsoft Office on it, but they had no idea how to use Microsoft Word, Excel. Yeah. Uh, that was to be, so this is, I came along and they said, well, here's the opportunity. We want you to go in for four days at each uh, location and uh, set up their accounting like on an Excel spreadsheet. And wow. it was the simplest of things, really, because it's just columns, you know. Yeah. Ins, outs, balance, you know, date, reference. Sure. Took me, yeah, it took me about half an hour to create it, a <laughs> template. Uh, and yeah. after that, I just went to each eco lodge with this template, loaded it up, did a demonstration, and once they were working on it, that was it, you know. Wow. So. Now, at this point, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you? No, 68. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So my dad retired last year. He is now 70. Um, and he, very much like you, uh, two weeks into retirement was like, I'm bored. <laughs> I've, I've cleaned the house. I scrubbed the fridge. I've organized all the things. Like... I got nothing to do. Um, so my mom surprised him and took him on a cruise to Alaska, which he's always oh. wanted to do. Oh my God. Yeah. They just got back today. And they oh. like, he already wants to like go again. He wants to see more he things. He wants to see the world. He does. He's never really traveled before. And like watching him, 
him have these experiences, you know, at his age, it's, you would never know. Like looking at him, you'd never know he was 70 years old. So I love that you're doing this and you're going out and you're sharing your knowledge and your experience and, you know, continuing to teach people and help them grow. Um, And it's got to be such a rewarding experience. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, Kelly. And the thing is, when I when I went to Bangladesh, well, when I went to this uh, Northwest Territories, I sold my property, my 50 acres and whatever. I thought, I don't need that. It's too much. One of the things is living with the uh, Lutzelke, the Denny, the chipper ones, they live very simply. Mm-hmm. There's no Walmart. There's no, there's nothing. They, yeah. You, you live, and you learn to live very simply, and you realize, you know, I need a bed, a washroom, and a something mm-hmm. to cook. That's it, really. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. I sold everything, and I thought, I'm not going to need that 50 acres ever again. Right. <laughs> so when I went to Bangladesh, I was basically homeless. So wow. when, I, when I came back from Bangladesh, I met Candace. This is 15 years ago, and uh, oh. we, we instantly hit it off. She shed everything. She sold her house and everything and joined me. And we went to Kingston, Jamaica for a year. Wow. And when our assignment was up, we came home, moved in with my children, uh, our children, you know. But in between, we said, you know, it's not fair uh, imposing on our children like this, you know. So we decided to go backpacking. So the first (laughs) one we went, yeah, with just a 20-pound backpack we decided to go to Central America for four months. And you guys were how old? <laughs> 60, now then we were 60, uh, 64. Oh, my God. We decided and to do just it like we were 20 years old. like college yeah. kids. <laughs> Never made any reservations. Did you I mean, stay in hostels with all the kids? Yeah, mostly. And it was wonderful because they, view, you know, they treated us like their grandparents. Oh, my so God, that's so, so much, precious. So much consideration. It's like, here, oh my you, God. You, know, you, you can make your pancakes first. <laughs> Because maybe you need a nap, you know. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> so we went to Panama, Costa Rica, and Nicaragua. Wonderful, for four months. And then from there, we got this call when we were in the north of um, Nicaragua. Did we want to go on a one-year assignment to Guyana? And that's when we said yes. But after Guyana, um, we decided that the backpacking was so wonderful, we'll go to Southeast Asia. Oh, my gosh. So we went to Bali for a month, and then Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand for a month each. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. And we're going to touch a little bit on some of these other places, but tell me a little more about Guyana, um, because I don't know a lot about this area. Yeah, Um, Guyana, it's uh, in the... Northeast of South America. It's the only English-speaking country. Oh. There were three Guianas, British Guiana, French Guiana, and Dutch Guiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, The part of, I mean, they're just north of Brazil, so it's mostly all rainforest. Yeah. The whole of Guiana, uh, the interior of Guiana is just rivers and uh, jungles and, safari, and uh, rainforest. Yeah. 
90% of the population live on the coast. Wow. Is there a lot of tourism to this area? No. Yeah. No, so it's underdeveloped you- and it's very expensive to go there. Really? But, you know, um, most of the people, and especially to the eco lodges that I that I was working with, it's mostly researchers and scientists. That yeah, have, that was going to be my next question. Like, what funding. do they need all these spreadsheets for? Yeah, <laughs> but that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. So these researchers, because there's a lot of uh, birds, animals, insects yeah. in this area that nowhere else in the world. So researchers come in, but they're funded. So they. You know, they the money isn't coming out of their pockets. I mean, it's sure. so expensive uh, because everything is so difficult. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. So tell me why um, why should people look to add an experience like volunteering in a place like Guyana to their travel bucket lists? Yeah, we wrote a book. Hmm? Oh my gosh, I love it. Go it's for it. Go for it. And it's to encourage retirees to consider doing this, volunteering overseas or locally, oh my God. you know, yeah. to share their knowledge and their mm-hmm. wisdom. A lot of people say, well, I got, so, well, you know, you haven't lived 60, 55, 60 years for nothing. Right. You, <laughs> you just don't realize how much you can be of assistance, you know? Yeah. I wrote a book. But this is another story, Kelly. It's a long story. <laughs> but anyway, I wrote a book called Awakening in the Northwest Territories. Yeah. One Man's Very Search nice. for Fulfillment. I love it. And the fulfillment happened there, working with other people, helping people. That's what I learned. I'd never been in a position all my life. I'd always help corporations make lots of money. Yeah, exactly. And increased shareholder returns. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it was helping people where I got this joy from. And then, so I continued that in Guyana and uh, Jamaica and uh, Bangladesh, you know. The Had to Be There podcast is brought to you by Vacations by Kelly, where your host becomes your travel agent. As a proud affiliate of Academy Travel, Kelly specializes in Disney destinations and can help with all non-Disney excursions worldwide as well. When you book with Kelly, you're getting much more than a travel agent. You're getting a personalized concierge level travel partner. And the best part? Her services are completely free. It's true. So when you're ready to make your next travel dream a reality, Vacations by Kelly is ready to make it happen. Visit hadtobethere.net slash vacations to get started. Alistair, you're my hero. This is is incredible. Can you take me back to that first experience? Because you went from Canada right to Bangladesh, right? Was this an assignment or was this somewhere that you were just like, I think I'm going to go to Bangladesh today? (laughs) No, I took a course. Teaching English is a second language. I thought I was going to go overseas to China or somewhere. Teach English is a second language. Mm -hmm. And then somebody mentioned to me about this organization called VSO. It's a UK organization, Mm. Volunteer Service Overseas. And they said, we think with your uh, background, your corporate background, you know, they may have some assignments for you. So anyway... 
I looked it looked it up, applied online, had an interview. The next thing you know, they're running this assignment by me in Bangladesh. Wow. It was Dhaka, Bangladesh, and that's a whole different world. Mm-hmm. 170 million people in Bangladesh, <gasps> 17 million in Dhaka. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, it, and it was to work with a small NGO, non-government organization, mm-hmm. setting up microcredit programs in rural and coastal villages. Wow. Microcredit was a, is an amazing concept to help poor people who can't get loans, don't have bank mm-hmm. accounts. Well, they went to, you go into a little village and um, you announce that you're setting up a microcredit program and anybody that's interested gather together. So 20 people would come in a big circle and say, we'd like to. They say, well, microcredit is like this. We're going to meet every week, and you're all going to give $5. So there's 20 of you, so now we have $100. And we're going to ask you, who wants to borrow this $100? So you get a chance to make a pitch to everybody, and then you decide who should get this $100. Well, um, well, it wasn't $100. It was more like uh, 25 cents a week, you know. 20 sure. people, we've got $5. <laughs> yeah, Some yeah. people would want to buy seeds. Somebody would want to buy chicken. So the group decides who gets the $5. Wow. And then you meet again the following week. You all put in another 25 cents. Uh, but the person that borrowed the money has to put in another 25 cents to repay the loan. And it's yeah. lifted so many people out of poverty. Oh in, my gosh, I love yeah. that. Microcredit. That's incredible. Learning it's so people much. People helping you help. And you know, it's not so yeah. so different than like the early immigrants to Canada, right? Sure. Or, or to the States. I mean, mm-hmm. Italians would get off the boat, come here, work with other Italians, and they'd all help each other, you know, put up the capital yeah. and help yeah. them get started. Yeah. When we first started talking, you identified yourself as Canadian. <laughs> Have you spent much time back home in the UK, in Scotland? No, I just go back um, maybe three times in my life. Oh, wow. Well, I got married, you know, had the children, and uh, you don't have yeah. a lot of money. You know, when you've got a young family, you're sure. always yeah. buying cars and houses, and <laughs> you get caught up in that world. Mm-hmm. I went back for the death of my brother and uh, wow. the death of my father, but that's about it. Oh, but those I are did, sad reasons know, to go back. And, and the funny thing, Kelly, is that I realize now when I decided to come to Canada, that's when I severed my ties and had to become extremely independent. Yeah. I was only yeah, 19. You didn't have anything in Canada on. like no. waiting for you. You didn't have no. a job lined up or anything. No. And no wow. friends or family, you know, to turn to when things yeah. got a little rough. Had to sort right. it all, all myself. And I think the other thing is, I think that was the beginning of my uh, travel book. Oh, was, yeah. From England to Canada and whole different world, you know. Yeah, Canada that's is so such a brave. Big, vast, beautiful country. Have you ever yes. been to Canada? I have not been to Canada. Oh. I know. <laughs> I feel like it's very overwhelming because like 
where do you start? <laughs> oh, it's so vast, yeah. Well, it's the yeah. second biggest country in the world eh, next to Russia. It's, it's, it's incredible, incredible. I love that you've made yourself a home there. That's, mm. that's so beautiful. Um, Alistair, I want to hear about some of these other places. So would you like to play Passport Picks? Sure. Tell us your favorite from all your trips. It's time to play Passport Picks. To start with, do you know offhand how many different countries, regions, provinces, states that you've visited in your life? A lot. <laughs> in, in 1992, uh, I was with another woman. It wasn't Candace, but anyway. And we, went, <laughs> we went to Africa for three weeks. We went to Kenya, wow. Tanzania, wow. uh, went to on safari. In the Maasai oh Mara, goodness. which was absolutely wonderful. And then we dropped down into Tanzania and went mm. to the, um, that would be the Serengeti, the Serengeti Ooh. plain. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Do you have a favorite destination that you visited? <sighs> Bali. I love Ooh. Bali. I love the, the vibe. The yeah. Healing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, Beautiful. The mentality is to serve, and everybody was so gracious, mm-hmm. so just went out of the way to help. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. So we were a month in Bali. Well, the funny thing was, Kelly. A month in Bali. Well, when we set off, as I said, we decided decided to go to Southeast Asia. Yeah. And the whole idea was we'd go to Thailand first for a month. Mm -hmm. Well, when we landed in Bangkok, it was raining really hard. Mm -hmm. And um, then we found out that the forecast was it was going to be like this for the week. So we went back up the uh, aisles at the airport, found a little regional airline and flew to Denpasar for about uh, 40 bucks. Wow. So we and that was that's the beautiful thing. You don't make reservations. You're free to go wherever. We never made any reservations, never had a problem having accommodations, meals, anything. In fact, many wonderful opportunities arose that we wouldn't have been able to take advantage of Yeah, had we been committed. Right. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Like, that sounds so... Uh, freeing and fascinating to me, but I feel like it would stress me out. <laughs> and, and do you know why, Kelly? Because in our society, right from the get-go, we're taught to be fearful because right. fear, fear sells. It's at the base of a lot of products being sold. Yeah. yeah. That we buy out of fear. <laughs> but really, fear is just a thought. Right. And right. most of it will never happen and we decided to be fearless. Yeah, wow. totally fearless. And and, uh, and it worked. And, and we realized, you know, and the thing is, uh, you try to do something like we go and this uh, hostel was full. No problem. Go, go next door. Hey, they had a vacancy. It's amazing. There wow. was always a vacancy. 
Yeah. I mean, oh some, my gosh. some places we went to said, yeah, sorry. But they said, let me make a phone call. They make a oh. phone call and say, oh, okay. Uh, we booked you a room. Everybody's so friendly, so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any specific destination that you can think of that had the friendliest and most accommodating locals? I would say Bali. Yeah. Yeah. But all oh, of it, wow. Vietnam was wonderful. Cambodia was really wonderful. Yeah. Mm. Especially yeah. the Asian countries. Yeah. I, think they I hear that a lot. That- they appreciate tourism. They're yeah. so proud of their countries and they want to. Uh, you to experience yes. their culture, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Did you ever discover a local food or drink that just blew your mind? <laughs> well, we love the seafood, you know, because we don't Ooh. get that in Ontario. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bass, the sea bass, the orange roffy. Another, yeah. another place we really enjoyed was Costa Rica. And on the West Coast, in the north, is a place called Playa del Coco. Beautiful beach, Mm -hmm. lovely little town. And there was um, a little restaurant run by an Italian. Oh, I love that. And on the board outside, he had like five different fishes that you could order, seafood, Mm -hmm. and five different sauces. So you matched it up. So you could have this with that. And it was all outside on little tables under umbrellas. And he'd, and he'd walk around and talk to everybody and say, how do, how'd you like that? And how'd you like that? So that was oh. a really unique, I'm thinking of yeah. all the restaurants. That one yeah. stands out. Yeah. I love stuff like that. I had a guest once who said the best Indian food that they ever had was at a pub in Ireland. (laughs) I just love stuff like that. Like things that you just wouldn't expect. Um, That's so cool. Do you have a, uh, a go-to travel tip or hack that you've picked up throughout your traveling life? Well, a couple of things, Kelly, number one, um, most restaurants serve you too much food, especially at our age. <laughs> so, so what we did is when we when we backpacked, we wrote in the morning and we played in the afternoon. So oh we gosh, wrote a book called "This Is for Your Father." Budget, oh my god, I love it! Budget backpacking for boomers. Okay? <laughs> How to do it. And it's yeah. funny for that, yeah. And we decided oh we gosh. would do it on $40 a day per person. Wow. So Candace and I had $80 for food, accommodations, and local travel, and we did it. $15, $20 a night, including breakfast. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Anyway, the first thing in Costa Rica, what we did is uh, went to this restaurant, ordered something. It was about $15 a plate, you know, and they came out and it was enormous. Well, we didn't ask for a doggy bag, you know. We had no fridge to, to go home to. Sure. So we just had to leave it, you know. Oh. And then we decided, you know, from now on, we're going to order one meal, two plates. And that's how we cut our food in half. Yeah. Mm. 
And That's mostly, the way to do it. Yeah, and I know uh, we'd feel a little embarrassed about doing that in America or Canada, but there right. you don't. No people, actually, a lot of times <coughs> we asked for one, one meal, two plates. Well, two plates came out with as much food on it as one plate, you know? <laughs> no, they just smiled. We said, hey, we're old. We don't eat much, you know? Yeah. 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 But everybody accommodated us. And uh, for the most part, there was more than one meal on two plates. Mm. They, would, they, they would take the meal and spread it on two yeah. plates. But yeah. when they brought it out, it looked like two regular plates, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Can you tell me about a experience that you encountered that was completely unexpected and unplanned and you never, even if you tried to, could have planned it? <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's difficult. Um, <laughs> the thing was, we did buy a Lonely Planet guide. Yeah. But we only read it at the beginning to see about the country, the currency, right. the temperatures, the seasons. Mm -hmm. We purposely decided not to read it in full because we both felt that when we did that, it was disappointing. When we, when mm. we showed up somewhere and saw it, it felt like we'd been there, you know, done it. We'd already yeah. read about it. So we decided, yeah. no, we'd just let everything be a surprise. So when we decided that. to go from Bangkok into Cambodia, yeah, uh, there was a flight to Siem Reap. So mm -hmm. we oh, we'll take that, you know. So we got to Siem Reap and we realized that is the hosteling center for Angkor Wat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know. It's like Anchor what? Oh yeah, oh Anchor what? It's a whole surprise. Wow, so I love that. Four days, one you know, Anchor what is many many temples all yeah. over the place. Yeah, you got to spend a week really. But anyway, we spent wow. about three days. Yeah, so that was oh. so. There was lots of things like that, and we I found this that. beautiful little um, resort. It was called um, Papa Pippo's Bungalows. Okay. And he was on the south coast of Cambodia, on the mm. west coast, facing Thailand. So the beautiful beaches of Thailand, mm. Cambodia has them. And there was this little, uh, almost like a horseshoe beach, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's where Papa Pippo's bungalows were. Now, Papa Pippo was an Italian that oh, had a big hotel it. in Milan. His wife wow. died. He went to, he sold it and he went to England to stay with his children. But he mm. didn't like the climate and he had nothing to do. So oh. his, his oldest son said, come on, dad, well, let's go and find you something. They oh. thought they would find something in Thailand, but they ended up in Cambodia in this little place called Otres. Little beach resort called Otres, O T R E S, and then they renovated these. Uh, there's about four, four cabins around, and a wow. little restaurant. Mm -hmm. He met a Cambodian lady, fell in love. She ran the resort, this little thing with them, and their no. daughter and her daughter. So the three of them, and then he brought his daughter in from England. Mm -hmm. to show a local how to cook Italian food. 
Oh, so, I love that. So you can get lasagna, cannelloni, yes. all this beautiful <laughs> stuff. Yeah. All oh, my beautiful. gosh. Incredible. Mm. Is there anything that's still at the top of your travel bucket list that you haven't been able to cross off just yet? Any place you still want to see? No, I can't think of anywhere, Kelly. Yeah. yeah? Wow. I think we're Let's finished, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're finished traveling. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We've seen a lot of the world for different reasons, you know. Yeah. 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 And we just feel satisfied. Yeah, that's great. No regrets. No, I had another uh, incident in life that uh, changed my perspective on everything. In January 2019, mm -hmm. I could hardly breathe. Oh, no. And I went to a respirologist and he said, you've got idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Oh, no. Very, um, with a high mobility, three to six years. Wow. I said, well, wh wh what am I looking at? You know, he said, well, in your case, it's quite advanced. You're looking at about 18 months. Oh, my goodness. Right, that was 2019 and you're still here. <laughs> so we all have a best before date. Yeah. Well, mine was June 2020. But once uh -oh. you've got a best before date, it changes everything because you got like boom, 18 months. Well, I don't think I'm going to go and hike Machu Picchu with an oxygen right. tank. And all, really. <laughs> My backpacking days are yeah, over. I think so. <laughs> So I, I want to go to England, say goodbye to my sister and my family, friends. Yeah. Uh, so I went back to England with Candace, my three children, three of my grandchildren, eight of us, went back for two weeks to say goodbye to everybody. Mm -hmm. Now, when I came back, it's like, you know, that was August 2019. But I'm aware my fibrosis is progressing because I have to keep increasing the oxygen mm. on my, it was three liters a minute, then five, seven, eight, ten. So yeah. I was getting towards Christmas. I was thinking, okay, I got six months. This is my last Christmas, last Thanksgiving, last birthday, last everything. Oh my goodness. And then my children said, well, what about a lung transplant, dad? That's a lung transplant. Mm. Oh, I don't know. My, the respirologist never recommended that. And I thought, I'm too old, you know. Wow. But anyway, I looked into it and I found that I was in good shape other than the fibrosis. Yeah. I didn't have any diabetes, cholesterol, blood, you know, pressure. Mm -hmm. So anyway, basically, cut a long story short, September 2020, I went into Toronto General Hospital. And had a double lung transplant. Wow. And here I am today. Oh. Three years later, I just celebrated oh September 3rd, right? About a week oh, ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I just got so emotional. <laughs> oh, it is. It's really an amazing. Oh, my goodness. You know, oh. gift, gift of life. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that.
So we talked a little bit about your books, um, and I want to go back specifically to Go For It, because I know you said you wrote this with um, somebody special. <laughs> yeah, well, and Budget Backpacking was with Candace too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What made you guys decide to take on this uh, this journey of writing a writing and publishing a book? Well, that goes back when I went to Lutz, okay. Mm-hmm. I'd, I mean, mm-hmm. I'd written all my life, but mostly corporate reports and things like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I went to the Northwest Territories, my daughter gave me a journal. And she Ooh. said, here, Dad, write in this because we know it's going to be so unlike the rest of your life. You know, it's going to be a yeah. new beginning. We want to know, we want to be able to read what it was like. So I wrote in it out of a sense of obligation first, Mm because I thought she's going to ask me, you know, how's the writing coming, Dad? And I didn't (laughs) want to say, well, you know, I thought, well, well, I started. And I, because everything was so different, there was everything, I I was writing every night. Wow. And I soon, you know, fill the journal but then I was writing in notebooks and I carried on writing for two years wow so when I came out of the north I had like about eight notebooks and a journal and I thought I can't just give this to my daughter and say here read this Nikki you know good luck (laughs) yeah it was just a journal it wasn't readable it was just so I thought well what I gotta do is I gotta put all of this into some sort of readable format. Yeah. So I went to Costa Rica. I went to, I got a little guest house for a month in Coita, in Costa Rica, which is on the east south shore uh, side mm. near uh, Panama. Right. And I went in there and I took all of this no- notebook and, and I, inputted it all into Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. Then I started to work with it, and I thought, okay, this doesn't go anywhere. This really is meaningless, you know, delete yeah. that. But <laughs> I had about 400,000 words. Wow. Mm, I had a lot of stuff to work to with. Lots to say. So I got rid of about <laughs> half of it, but some of it was a journey. Some of it yeah. was the beginning of something. So it carried on, and the story changed as the weeks went by and the months, you know. Anyway, when I when I was as I was doing this, I realized how I had changed. You see, I didn't realize how working with people had changed, you know, uh, uh, the fulfillment. Because yeah. right. w- when I went in there, like I said, Joe came to Joe came to see me today, and he asked me, you know, a personal question, and I said to him, "Oh, get lost, Joe." You know, I'm not your, <laughs> I'm not your personal counselor, uh, you know, and then towards the end, it's like, okay, who can I help today? You know, Aww. like <sighs> most, most people in this little community of Lutz okay, there's a co-op store, but that's it. There's no mm-hmm. coffee shop, no, nothing, no bank. Most of the people wow. there didn't have a bank account or a credit card. Wow. Well, when they found out that I had a visa and I could buy things in Yellowknife and have it shipped into them, they needed my help. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, game in. changer. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, these people, I, I ran a couple of fire crews out of there and I had other people. We sent people as custodians, custodians and janitorial and catering staff to the mines, you know, mm. as diamond mines in the Northwest Territory. So uh, I had a big payroll of local people. So that wasn't a problem. I didn't mind buying things on my visa. Yeah. I got repaid. I just took it out of their, their wages. There was no big sure. deal. Sure. There was no risk. But my people in the South were saying, you're crazy. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's like, why not? I like to help, you know. And yeah. So I realized you share and help when you can with what mm -hmm. you have. We're yeah. all different and we all have different resources that we can help with. It's true. Oh my God. That's such a great message. So anyway, so I, uh, so, uh, um, so the book I finished with there, it was called white man on the land. I love and, that. <laughs> and it started when I landed in Lutzoke and when I flew out and I got wow. some people to read it. My kids loved it, but other people read it and said, you know what? Readers will be, curious as to like they'd want to know more about what was this man who was this man that went into Lutz okay what right. was he like and what was he like afterwards well mm -hmm. I carried on writing and that's how I ended up with this awakening in the Northwest Territories it's really an autobiography oh my gosh I love from, from it. my birth in Glasgow to going to Bangladesh so it's wow. a whole story of my life. Yeah. But there oh, again, I you see, that. I never set out to do that. Right, right. And Absolutely. That, that's what prompted me then to, to, to write memoirs and to produce. When we thought, you know, this would be good, writing a book to try to encourage people to volunteer and yes. have a wonderful second life as a retiree, not just to oh sit back gosh. and play golf. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I love that. Alistair, I want to know where people can find you. I know that you uh, were also a guest on my friend Roger's podcast, uh, the Crossing It Off podcast. Oh, he's a friend um, of yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about um, your your farewell tour um, back home in the UK. Uh, yeah. Um, where else can we find you and hear and learn more about you and buy your books and all the things? Well, the best place to start would be on my website. And it's www.alistairhenry.com. And there are my books. There's reviews, excerpts. So there's a lot new. So on one particular book, you can read four or five excerpts. You can write, you can read uh, the reviews on it. Mm -hmm. And there's some other things too on my website. I've got podcasts and on this one, on my podcast, I'll post this one too. <laughs> you know, after after, yeah. it's, after it's aired, if I get the sure. link, <laughs> so people can click on my podcast and listen to this conversation. I love that. And of course, my books are available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I've, I, well, the other thing is, I actually recorded, so there's audio books on Audible. Oh, I love it! Yeah, well. That's and another, you read them yourself? Well, that's another story. I got into doing voiceovers because I found oh there was God. a, yeah, that was a, I love know, it. 
I found you have a great a, voice. I'm glad was, that you found that. There was a demand for British-speaking, older British-speaking voices, especially for children's novels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Grandfatherly type. Yeah. Oh. So I started to doing some voiceovers, and so I, I did record Awakening, and I did record my latest book. Now here's the other thing too, Kelly. In 2016, I started to write a book. It's a uh, historical fiction romance novel. Wow. And it's called The Soldier and the Orphan. Oh, wow. Separated by church and war. Whoa. Yeah. And I was really excited about it. I started writing it in 2016, but then I got sick in 2019. Given, you know, 18 months to live, and I thought, well, what now? I don't have time to finish the book, so what's the point? So oh. I stopped writing. But in September 2020, with my new lungs, <laughs> hey, I go writing again. <laughs> so I finished it, and I'm so oh, I'm, so, I'm glad. so pleased with it. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So it's called The Soldier and the Orphan. It's um, historical fiction. It takes place in England, Canada, and the Channel Islands during the German invasion and occupation. Wow. That sounds incredible. And the story is also about the orphan um, and over 100,000 children from orphanages and homes in England were shipped to Canada without their consent to work. So I wanted wow. to uh, make people aware of that. Uh, yeah. A greater awareness. Yeah. So that's a big part of the... Uh, of the story. Oh my gosh. I love it. You're so clever and creative. I'm going to include links to all of the things in the episode show notes so people can find you and buy all the books and learn more about you because you are just such a fascinating man. I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. We have to do it again, Kelly. Yes, please. Because I didn't (laughs) tell you about the Rupununi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we didn't we didn't go down that road. <laughs> and that is a, a story unto itself. Yeah, you'll definitely have to come back then and we'll have okay. to make sure that we focus on that. <laughs> I get very easily distracted, Alistair. <laughs> well, so do I. But yeah, it's, I just go with the flow, right? Wherever it yeah. takes us. Absolutely. It's, it's better than being scripted. I love it. Mm. Thank you again so much, and I cannot wait to chat again. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to show your support is to rate or review us on whatever platform you're listening. And if this episode left you feeling like you just had to be there, reach out to Kelly to start planning an adventure of your own. Don't forget to follow us at HadToBeThere203 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And visit our website, www.HadToBeThere.net. Until next time, get out there and make your own had to be there memories.